Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We got a very special show today. I am interviewing with Tay Kim from Financial Tortoise, a growing and somewhat popular YouTube channel. Tay talks all things personal finance. I've been a subscriber to his channel for a while. Met him at FinCon this year, and we kicked it off and thought I'd bring him on the podcast to talk about his investing journey, how he became a YouTuber, and all things investing. So you are listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Again, we are on with Tay Kim from YouTube channel Financial Tortoise. Tay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Nick. And uh, so, Tay, we met uh, at FinCon in New Orleans a couple weeks ago here in October. And it really just resonated with your story. Uh, Went to the presentation that you gave on kind of your journey of getting into YouTube. And I think what a lot of our audience would like to hear is talking about like your financial journey. So one of the interesting things, I actually just watched a video you put out, you were talking about Dave Ramsey and kind of like that debt situation. It sounds like that's really what got you motivated to kind of get your financing and investing on track. Like if you don't mind, give us a little bit of history of your early days, kind of that Dave Ramsey conference you went to, and then we'll uh, catch in from there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Dave Ramsey, I owe a lot to Dave Ramsey. I mean, he kind of kicked off my wife and I's financial journey. So when we got married over now 12 years ago, my wife and I, we kicked off our marriage with about $105,000 of student debt. So I just graduated business school. My wife had graduated nursing school. And uh, we also had a pretty expensive wedding because we weren't that financially smart. So we spent all of our savings pretty much started with like not even zero, it's negative 105,000 with really nothing against our name except um, jobs that we had at the time. And at that time, that was the first kind of realization that we were razor thin on the edge of, you know, if something was to happen, one of us lost our jobs or some, you know, some other events happened, then, you know, we would just topple right over. And prior to that, uh, we, both of us, we were both children of immigrants, um, Korean immigrants. Um, so I came here from Korea when I was nine. My wife was born here, but then her parents were immigrants. So we kind of grew up without much of a financial education. And what we were primarily taught, and not in fault to our parents, but they pretty much told us, hey, study hard, go to college, get a good job, and then you're good. And then um, that's what they saw um, was, you know, people who were, seemingly living well, had good careers and good jobs. And we never touched upon the spending aspect. It was always just kind of like, go get a good degree. So that's what we did. And then for me personally, I think I dealt a lot with just insecurities as regards to the need to show success, the need to show that I made it. And then which, you know, when you're so driven by those needs, your spending follows suit and you're not very good at managing your money. So I made all the money mistakes that I could have in my 20s. 
buying a new car. I do one of those like lease to own furnitures. I invested my money with like Was it at least a zero percent was it a zero percent down lease to own or were you like paying interest on the furniture? No, no, I think I was paying interest. This was like in the mid two thousands. So yeah, I mean it was everything. I was I was like the sucker for like every kind of like scheme that was out there. It's like, oh you want to take furniture today and you don't have to pay anything. You know, this monthly yeah. payment of this much. Listen, you know? full disclosure, I don't know if that is a thing I know Afterpay is a big deal in Australia right now, but you know, same thing. I got married in 2005, and we we did like a basically a lease to own furniture deal, but it it was like zero percent for four years. But when you're thinking about like this, you know, we got a dog, and like the dog's sitting all over the couch, and you're thinking, I'm still paying for this dumb thing. Like, (laughs) why am I letting my dog sit on this furniture? Like, instead of just going to the thrift store and getting a couch, but. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want you yeah. to feel alone in that. You know, I also made thank some you, pretty poor you. decisions. <laughs> Thus, we are here today talking about money, right? Yeah, we, no. can, we learned. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good thing. So you you learned a bit. So then you, you're 105 into debt. You've you're paying for furniture you don't own. Was it? Do you think that was like a? Was it something your parents kind of instilled in you? Was like trying to look that, or you know, I'm, I don't want to read in your story, like. Yeah, I don't know if they instilled that. I think it was just they couldn't give us any guidance beyond getting into college. So then I think when you allow the the world of marketing to dictate your spending habits, then it just doesn't lead to anywhere good. You're not like there's no kind of a good foundation to guide you, be able to discern what this marketing is trying to do. You're just like, oh, hey, this guy says I can take more furniture. And that I can pay it later. This is he's doing a favor for me. So like you know, and so I was I was just naive, you know. It's like the auto salesman now. They don't talk about how much a car is. They talk about how much the monthly payment could be. And now you're looking at a seven year car loan, and the average person keeps a car what three and a half years. So it's like you you barely own any of it by the time you're flipping the car again. So you get out of debt, and what what are you doing like during this time for for work? Yeah. So uh, when um. We got married, so I had a job as a finance director. My wife was a registered nurse, so it was a good career. I, I finished. I got my MBA, um, so good pay. So this is when we went to a a Dave Ramsey conference here in California. We went to one of those conferences in Long Beach, and I think he was one of the first individuals I saw that was just the way he talked about money was just like I've never heard anyone talk about money like that. It wasn't about like because everything else that you hear online and. You know, people make it very sensational, like, oh, you know, you can make a lot of money. You could uh, do the zero zero down real estate deal and then become rich. Whereas Dave Ramsey went the other way. He was pretty much stating all the things that I've done and then told me how stupid I was. Yeah. But you could still turn it around. Sure. Well, because he had kind of started that way too. Like he was the 0% guy and then bankrupted himself and... Exactly. So he's like, yeah. learn from me, which, which I guess is what now we're doing. Look at us turning the turning the page. L- learn from Nick and Tay's dumb financial mistakes. Yes, please, please learn from our dumb financial mistakes because those are the best teachers. So we followed. We literally we uh, like once I listened to him, I bought the book. We went through the Financial Peace University, and then you know, according to Dave Ramsey's word, we went we went gazelle intense in paying off our debt. So we went like, we're not going on any trips. We're going to pack all of our lunches. We're not never going to upgrade our car. Um, and so we did that for about three and a half years. And then we paid down the $105,000 in about three and a half years. And that was, you know, we were putting like almost, you know, a third of our income into just paying down debt, like nothing else. 
And then um, after we paid off our debt, I think that was one of the greatest lessons in teaching us how to control our expenses, because I think that was the other part that was really missing from my wife's and our lives was I always thought, you know, like to become wealthy is about the income side. Like you just got to make a lot of money. But I forgot, I completely forgot about the expense side because, you know, it helps. But at the same time, if you don't know how to, how to manage your expense side, you're walking around with a hole in your pocket. So that was, I think, one of the greatest lessons that I learned from that process. And then once we paid off our student debt, we had better management of our finances. And that's when I started to get more interested in money and the partners, the, the knowledge around money. And then, you know, my wife and I, we continue to live pretty frugally. We were to save a good chunk. We, we kind of followed the whole, you know, financial independence movement and try to save as much as, much as we could. And then um, at a certain point, I got the bug to, uh, you know, start spreading the message regarding how to better manage our finances and created a YouTube channel a couple of years ago. And thus, I'm here talking to you, Nick. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and your YouTube channel is growing. Uh, I was a subscriber before we met a few weeks uh, ago. Thank you, thank you. You know, really enjoy the channel, Financial Tortoise. You know, your approach is, is real genuine. You can tell that you've put the work in and... You know, you believe it. Where, where along like the lines of you got out of debt? Like I know Dave's kind of, Ramsey's shtick is like get out of debt totally, and then he's got a few other steps before you really get invested. When did the investment side for you kind of take hold and really become more of a passion for yours to actually get your money invested and kind of go from there? Yeah, so I think Dave Ramsey was really good with helping us control our expenses and paying off our debt. Where I learned a lot about investing was actually Jell Collins' book, The Simple Path to yeah. Wealth. That was really like I think um, eye-opening because I think prior to that, once again, there's so much information out there regarding investing, and if you don't have a kind of a good grounding on it, you know, we get pulled in multiple dif- different directions. So, should I try to do stock picking? Should I try to do find a fund manager? And then every different investment firm or a bank you talk to, they have their own flavor of strategy. Yeah. Like, this is the best strategy. And I didn't have a good kind of, um, uh, I guess, my own understanding or confidence in my own self to know, to discern what was good and bad advice. But then when I read Jell Collins' book, that's what really kind of kicked, kicked off. Like, okay, I think I understand. I understand the power of diversification, the broad market, the index fund, the low cost, the time that you have to put into it, understanding how to ignore the volatility of the market, understanding how to the importance of you know ignoring the all the um, all the noise that's in the news that could impact the market. So yeah, so that's one of the one of the reasons why in my channel I also talk a lot about index funds. Uh, I think. Uh, I've cornered a market on talking about index funds. It's probably like the boringest video ever. And I'm always fascinated <laughs> when people watch them. And yeah. literally, I'm like walking through like, here's index fund number one. Let's talk about expense ratio, returns, turnover rate. And I'm like, wow, people are watching this? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, well, you're a good example of that. You got your MBA, but you're still, you had to read a book to really trigger the investment side. So just because... You know, people are so busy, they've got lots of knowledge from their maybe specifics or their job. But if you don't put a little bit of the work into the investment side, you know, things get a little tricky. And it is one of those things where 
all of a sudden now compound interest is working against you because you've waited so long to start investing and to get everything going. It's like, oh man, like, you know, what have I done for the last 10 years or so? So your, your index YouTube video is a popular one. Is that primarily what you're doing now? Like, what do you, what's your investment strategy, if you don't mind kind of sharing some of that with us? Yeah, it's very simple. So I am a firm believer of kind of the Jell Collins Simple Path to Wealth, his strategy. So I straddle the line between like a two-fund strategy and a three-fund strategy. And technically right now, because I'm still in the wealth accumulation phase, uh, according to Simple Path to Wealth, it's actually closer to like a one-fund strategy with, some, uh, with a little bit of international funds sprinkled in. Majority of my money is with a... If the money that's in Vanguard is with Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, VTSAX, uh, indexes the, a, the total market index, which, uh, which is approximately 4,000 publicly traded companies. And then, you know, when I feel a little, little frisky, I add a little bit of international fund in there. VTIAX is the other Vanguard fund. It's the total international stock market index fund. So that represents about 8,000 international funds. And then for money that I can't invest with Vanguard, so like I had a 401k before, but it was with Fidelity, then I found an equivalent or close to index fund. So usually, as long as I could find a index fund with a low expense ratio, which is you know usually below 0 0.5 or 0 0.4, and that tracks either the total market or the S&P 500, I feel like you know that's a that's a really good fund. So it doesn't really have to be Vanguard, but there's good options with both Fidelity, Charles Schwab. And then if you're looking to do ETFs, then there's also good options at BlackRock and State Street as well. Now, do you specifically like the mutual fund over the ETF because it's it does have that slower feel to it? Like you're not tempted to do any during the day market trading? Like what, what yeah. makes you lean towards the mutual over the ETF? I mean, I think it's maybe just the age, you know, like I I've, I think I've, uh, before ETF became a lot more popular in the recent years, yeah. I was always investing with index funds. If there's one kind of a technical part that ha has me lean more towards index fund uh, is the fact that you can do automatic investing with index fund. Whereas I know like on Vanguard right now, I think you can do that in other platforms. With Vanguard, you can't do automatic investment with ETFs. Yeah, so, so the like, mutual fund you can, but not the ETF. Right, and yeah. I'm a, I like to set it and forget it. Yep. I, you know, I talk a lot about it in my channel how you know, a lot of times we want to simplify our decision making, simplify our process. I don't want to have to log in at a certain time every single month and then make that by purchase. I like to set it once in the year and then just kind of forget about it. Yeah. So I think that's one technical aspect of why I prefer index fund over ETFs. But then, I mean, the ETF equivalent of VTSAX is VTI, and it actually has a slightly lower expense ratio. You can't go wrong with either. I think it's we're we're talking about tomatoes, tomatoes. What do you say? Potatoes, potatoes. Yeah, potatoes or potato. <laughs> well, it depends. Yeah, tomato, tomato. I think it's my classic. Yeah, tomato, too. tomato. Right, right. So I think when we start getting into the argument of like, is one better than the other? I think where we should be spending our energy is making more money right. to place in either of those funds. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I use I use VTI. I think just because I like a smaller ticker symbol, it, mm. <laughs> <laughs> less for me to think about when I'm looking up my total market. 
Hey, actually, that is a great spot to take a break. Let's grab some water, listen to this ad, and we will be right back with Take Him. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How involved is your wife in the investing side, like, is this a strategy you guys, I know, do you talk about it? Like, do you say, Hey, this is the thing, or did you kind of basically have one conversation at the beginning when you started investing and everything's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I mean, my wife thankfully trusts in my investing decisions. Um, so she's listened to the simple path to wealth. She did tell me that, you know, most of it went over her head, but then the main takeaway, you know, the VTSAX, and then we actually had a chance to meet Jill Collins in person. Oh, fun! Um, I, I actually dragged her with with me, and she was like, "Who's this? Who's this old guy? Like, why are we meeting him?" But she was like, "You know, he seems really nice. He seems down to her. Doesn't seem to have any other incentives." And then, you know, like I think um, his what he talks about in his book is really based upon life experience of this, you know the mistakes he's made. Not to say you know just because of that, like I you know completely think VTSA is the best, but I think based upon just cross-referencing with other, you know, studies out there and other books written by very intelligent people. Like I see the similar theme, you know, but my wife, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, she understands the basic concepts of total market, low cost, um, investing over a long period of time. Um, thus, you know, the channel is called Tortoise Slow and Steady. Yeah. Let's talk about your, your channel. So do I have it right that you're now full-time content creator have you quit your career job or am I reading between the lines there? No, that's correct. So I am a full-time content creator, like those cool kids on the internet. Like, you know, you know, when I kids constantly ask me, uh, I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. I, w- I keep telling them, tell your friends that your dad's a YouTuber. Yeah. Like you, they'll think you're the coolest ever. <laughs> don't tell them what topic I cover. Yeah, don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. need to look up the channel, guys. But yeah, he basically yeah. knows Mr. Beast. Yeah. So you know, it's a- yeah. So there's like there's like Mr. Beast, like Mark Rober, and then like Financial Tortoise, right? Like it's kind of like the same grouping, right? Yeah, like- <laughs> exactly. Very similar numbers, I'm sure. So as I mentioned earlier, I was a finance director. I did that for about ten years. So I was a you know pretty typical FP&A guy. I spent my whole time behind a spreadsheet, doing forecasting, budgeting, stuff like that. And then uh, when I decided that I want to try something different, I actually left my day job two years ago, and then kind of went headfirst into the YouTube world. Kind of wanted to try out like what this space was like. I also wanted to kind of try something different to grow myself. And you know, it's uh, always fascinating for me. Like when I look at people in media or in the YouTube space, just the creativity 
that a lot of people have. Like for me, for me, like having worked in a more analytical field my whole life, like the creative side of my brain is like, I feel I realize we're completely dead. Like, I'm like, I don't know how to design anything. <laughs> it was just old and dusty. You had to, you had to, yeah, yeah. You had to blow off some it was dust. Very, yeah, it was very old, very dusty. You know, last time I drew something was in like fourth grade. So I think for me, it was a challenge that I wanted to try to tackle. Um, so yeah, I started the channel a couple years ago with no subscribers, no channel, bought my first camera. And it's been, it, it was a learning curve for the first couple of years on just learning how to film myself, edit videos, script, coming with interesting topics, doing a lot of a uh, lot of mistakes. Like my first hundred videos, I look at it now, I feel like I want to throw up. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this is on the internet, and people but are still watching. You're this. keeping them out there, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it gives me just a kind of a what do you call it? A point of reference or. Yeah. Your a motivation, yeah, yeah, just like how far I've come, even within just my own skill set. So, thankfully, the channel has grown. So right now, I'm I'm at about 130,000 subscribers, which I'm very thankful for, and this has allowed me to uh, make a full time living, be able to support the family while at the same time being able to do something that's creative, but not so out of my comfort zone that I could still yeah. talk about numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's still a passion. Yeah. It's still fit. Did I hear you right? Did you you quit to do the YouTube before you yes. had found success? Yes. So you weren't doing the YouTube and the job. You were like, forget it. I'm out. I'm going to do YouTube. So I was doing a little bit of blogging here and there just for fun, but making no money from it. I was just fascinated by the world of internet marketing and people making money online. Um, and when I was kind of debating leaving my day job and then trying something, jumping into something that I felt like was, felt like there could be a potential for success at the same time is exciting enough for me to like stretch me in a lot of different ways. And I kind of landed at YouTube. But yeah, before that, I, I think I filmed maybe like a couple videos, like a three minute trial videos just to see what the process was like. That three minute video took me like a week to edit. <laughs> Yeah, like I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it was exciting. It was yeah. like something very new. And, you know, like I just I just wanted to try try this creative endeavor. So yeah, to your point, I left my day job. Um, thankfully, like we, we financially planned. So my wife and I, we had plans. So then we saved, up, we saved up enough. So this is kind of going back to the earlier part of with Dave Ramsey. We felt like we had a really good control over our expenses. Get a, had a really good handle of our finances. We had a lot invested. We had enough financial cushion runway that if, if we didn't have any income for at least like two years, it was still fine. So that took off a lot of the pressure that like I had to start generating income from the get-go. And then I told myself, you know, like if things didn't work out after two years, then, you know, I could always go back and what's the worst that can happen? I just go back to what I was doing before. Wow. That's yeah. gutsy. For you kids out there listening, uh, get financially stable before you quit your job to do a very risky, creative endeavor. Which, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of like younger YouTubers and I give them kudos. Like, no, they, they jump in. Like, I felt like I had a parachute. At yeah. least. You're like, I've got a backup plan. Yeah, it's okay. Like, I have a, like, I had a career. It's not like I, like I could jump back into whatever I did before. And we also had some financial cushion. But then, I mean, I give kudos to like a lot of these young, you know, um, influencers who jump in with like, I have one month of savings, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do this, and I'm like, you know, 
I wish I had your confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a fine line between confidence and irresponsibility, but we right, won't right. we won't make any judgment calls. So if you if you went back and like were going to do it all over again, do you feel like obviously the editing was a thing you, you talked about how that was a bit of a pain like would you change anything if you were starting all over again doing youtube i mean i think a lot of the knowledge that i built up just took that long of a time to develop i think the stuff that i know regarding editing regarding videography regarding what's important and what's not important um i think took me took me about 100 videos to uh realize so like i talked about this during the talk at fincon how I thought having like different backgrounds was so important. People are going to get bored of my same background and then they're going to want to see different backgrounds. So I remember spending so much energy and time moving my camera around the house, my whole setup. And then I'll be like, all right, I got to film this segment here. And then let me pick it all up and move it over to the other side of the room. And then that took me another 30 minutes. And I'm already like drained by the time I did that. So, and then I realized afterwards, I'm like, is this really making a difference? And then I realized it didn't. Like the retention, the performance, people came to the video to learn about what the difference between VTSAX and VTI. They, didn't, they could care less about what my background looked like. So that took about 100 videos to realize. <laughs> now, if I was to go back now and then give a guidance to someone starting out a YouTube channel, I would say, don't do this. Don't spend your time on this. And don't, you know, don't, don't worry about the background. Don't worry about like music. Don't worry about looking cool. Like focus on the content. That's it. That's what matters. Now I can tell, you know, we're we're doing this over a video chat. The listeners aren't going to be able to see it, but I can tell we're in the same room that you do a lot of your video recording. But I see a weight bench behind you. Like, if I can give you some advice, maybe do a couple videos where you're pumping iron and yeah, talking yeah. about investments at the same time, just to shake it up a little bit. I know. I know. Started out with like, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna. Pump up your investments. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's markets yeah. go down, markets go up. Yeah. <laughs> Lifting and investing by Tay. Exactly. The key is you grind it out and you push through. So you've got a simple strategy. Right now you're basically a one mutual fund kind of guy. Does that, mm-hmm. did you start, so full disclosure, Glenn and I are writing a book and it's going to come out early next year. So I'm doing a lot of the kind of technical stuff. I do have a bit in the book that's going to talk about a three fund portfolio. So very much, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that I talk about on this podcast is, you know, very much passive index investing, keep it as easy as you can, you know, following kind of the Jack Bogle, Warren Buffett kind of strategy, um, <clears throat> you know, buy right and hold tight is like Jack Bogle's kind of little situation that I like, but Glenn, you know, does a lot of the ethereal stuff. He's talking about the importance of keeping your emotions in check, and he's big on values. Do you do you use that kind of verbiage when you're thinking about your investment strategy? Like, did you sit down and write down your investing values? Did that play into it, or you're like, hey, this puppy's got four thousand companies. I can't go wrong choosing this mutual fund. Are you saying like values within specific companies? Um, no, no, no. Like. Just- um, like your set of values. So I value mm. easy, automatic, um, broad market. Is did that did you make that kind of thought or did you just fall into it after reading the book? Yeah, I think I it was a little bit of both. I think I don't know if I ever specifically wrote it down. I guess I've created videos regarding like I did a video about like the Ten Commandments of Financial Tortoise, and I talk about those same philosophy 
you know, just kind of the slow, steady, simple, don't try to overcomplicate things, keep costs low. Yes, I mean, I guess I would like to say, like, did I write those philosophies? But really, it's just people who are way smarter than Jack Bogle came up with it four years ago. You know, Jill Collins wrote a book about it. And so many smart people already have done so much of the work of canvassing the the investing world and identifying what works best for individual investors. So I guess I just kind of took the best of it and then um, felt kind of put it under the bucket of the tortoise because uh, that's how I kind of always saw my wife and I, we always saw kind of our lives where we may not be really great at, at anything, but we have staying power. We can stick through it, keep things simple, and then just keep one foot in front of the other and just keep on going. Great. Yeah, that, that, that's some good. Actually, a uh, uh, final wisdom. Maybe we should end there. Just keep one foot in front of the other. Keep going. Yeah, man, that's wild. I, I'm still stuck on the fact that you quit your job before you <laughs> like found success in the YouTube channel, and I'm like, my respect level is like hitting all time highs over here. Yeah, well, but once again, do I think like a lot of the risk have we we already had mitigated a lot of the risk? So I think there's different ways you can look at risk, right? So I think some people might look at it as like. Keeping one foot in the corp- one foot in the day job and one foot in the entrepreneurial world, and yeah. seeing if it like is going to pan out. But at the same time, I think there's a other risk of like, you know, like if you save enough, and then I like both my wife and I knew like if we wanted to, we could literally go back to what we were doing before, like yeah. tomorrow. Is is she still but nursing? Then, no, she actually left her day job too okay. uh, last year, and then um, she's pursuing her own uh, own passion project. Um, yeah, we're uh, we. I, I, uh, the other joke is that I think both of us had a midlife crisis in our late thirties, and we're <laughs> like, we need to try something different. <laughs> yeah, get it over yeah. with. Hopefully, it's yeah, not midlife, yeah. but hopefully, you get the crisis out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Well, great. You're uh, you know, I think you do. You're an inspiration. You know, you've you've reached fire or loot, as Glenn likes to say. Live your life on your own mm. terms. Um, I haven't heard of that one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's our it's our Australian moniker, I guess. Okay. Life on okay. your own terms, you know. Okay. Just because fire people think about like you know, some people are so specific. They've got a spreadsheet. They've got a number. They've got a metric. You know, I've done you know I've I've done a lot of those calculations. Like, what is my number if I true true independence? But I think loot kind of takes some of the pressure off. Like, you can still have a foot in your day job if you want. You can you know, quit and go full-time content creating or f- follow a passion that you might be able to make some money on and you're able to do life on your own terms. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like I know at FinCon you said that you're coaching your kids soccer. Like how has the YouTube channel provided some of that loot type lifestyle where you just get to do whatever you want? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the nice things about a YouTube channel for anybody thinking about it is really, I think, a great lifestyle business. Um, I think we're living at a time where you're cre- you can create digital content and then a platform can share that across the world and you can earn a living off of that. I mean, that's unheard of. That's crazy. Like, I sometimes feel like uh, this, if I could like, you know, craft a perfect job for myself, all I do is I read all day long. I think about the best ideas. I make a video about it and people pay me to watch them. It's like, this is crazy. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And I think that's, uh, it's afforded me to, you know, be able to spend more time with the kids in regards to, you know, be the person that's 
dropping them off, picking them up, uh, coach my son's soccer team, just be able to be more present at home. I think work-wise, I don't feel like I'm working any less than I did before in my corporate maybe, job. Maybe even more. Even more, but I could fit the work. I think you know you 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 heard of that analogy regarding like the big rocks. You know that professor he yeah. had a jar and then he puts the big rocks and then fills it with the sand. So I think before the big rocks were the work, and then I had to kind of fit the family around it. But now I feel like the big rocks are the family obligations. What I want to do with the family, and then I could fit the work around it. And what I think YouTube provides that great flexibility, which is which is amazing. And then my wife, I was alluding to earlier, like she had a passion project. So then she was a nurse for about twelve years. And then when we were having our discussion regarding like if we could, you know, reinvent ourselves, what would it be? She never thought she was smart enough to go into medicine. So then I said, hey, why don't you, you know, just try it, you know? And she's like, I'm like 37. I'm gonna go take chemistry classes with a 17 year old. So she's actually doing that right now. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like that movie 17 again, like going back, you know, like, like she's got a lab partner that's 17 year old that keeps forgetting her, his lab coat. <laughs> she's like, I'm not your mom. <laughs> but um, so for me, like being able to support her dream is, is I'm very thankful for that as well. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, to your point, like living life on your own terms, I think we all have different dreams and aspirations. And I think finances, whether it's through the fire, traditional fire movement, or it's through an entrepreneurship, I think being able to structure it in a way where we can design the life that we want, I think is very powerful and very important. Well, Tay Kim from Financial Tortoise, thanks for coming on today. If you guys are interested, and I would recommend it, um, give him a watch. Tay Kim, T-A-E-K-I-M, Financial Tortoise on YouTube. You'll learn probably more than you will from me, but hey, I'm a podcast, he's a YouTube, and there's room for all of us. So, Tay, thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Nick. All right. You've been listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.